week 50 of the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. One good thing about doing this podcast is I I do it in my home office, and I think I'm going to be spending some time cleaning this office out. But by the way, today's pod is brought to you by the good folks at Warby Parker. Friends of the pod can get a special offer at warbyparkertrial.com slash Han. I got to tell you, it's been very surreal. I know that was the title of my podcast last week, but it's not less surreal this week. We've got a lot to talk about. Let's start the show. We are now the defenders of the stronghold of democracy and of equal opportunity. You and I as citizens have the obligation to shape the debates of our time, not only with the votes we cast, but with the voices we lift. The people are looking for honest answers, not easy answers. The very word secrecy is repugnant. Clear leadership. And we are as a people. Not false claims and evasiveness and politics as usual. Opposed to secret society. But ours was a nation of the vote. Not the bullet. And a secret procedure. As a people, we cannot afford to let any group of citizens or any individual citizens live or labor under conditions which are injurious to the commonwealth. Black, white, Latino, Asian, Native American, young, old, gay, straight, men, women, folks with disabilities, all pledging allegiance under the same proud flag to this big, bold country that we love. That's what I see. That's the America I know. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. There is nothing wrong with America that cannot be cured by what is right with America. Yeah, you know, uh, I've been in this house almost four years, and I uh, I gave my wife the walk-in closet in the master bedroom, and I keep my clothes in the office closet. And, you know, now the whole office basically has turned into a closet. I've got a desk here. i got my recording equipment here. Every once in a while when you see me Skype into something on television, I might be sitting in this office. But for the most part, I've got a television studio in the basement of the house. So I basically could do everything from home. I'm doing my, I'm still going in to do my radio show. I, I'm in a booth by myself and my producer's on the other side of uh, a glass. I wipe everything down when I get in there. Um, but I like to be there because I want to take calls and I'm going to still do that until they tell me I can't. And they haven't told me I can't yet, so I'm going to keep doing that. But yeah, this this office, as I sit here and I look around, I, I say to myself, yeah, yeah, you need to throw a lot of things. There are boxes in this office that were here four years ago when we moved in. They say office on them. <laughs> it's, it's just bad. So a lot of these boxes are going to get thrown out. They're going to get tossed with peace and love, peace and love. I'm going to toss them. I'm sure you're all working on some crazy projects, but here's a project that I want you all to think about. I've been spending a lot of time thinking about this. Uh, You might have seen me tweet about it. If you don't follow me on Twitter, I'm at Christopher Hahn on Twitter. Um, The 20th Amendment to the United States Constitution. So here we are. We're in this epidemic. Everybody's staying home. Last week, the state of Ohio, the governor of Ohio, Mike DeWine, decided that It was too risky to have an election in the middle of this pandemic, so he canceled his election. Not canceled it. He postponed it. He moved it to June. Um, You know, and and I'm not going to argue with him on that. Uh, He probably was right, you know, especially in Ohio, 
where um, there's always been an issue with long voter lines. And I think that they need to do something about that. And Congress right now is debating this, you know, massive stimulus package that the president wants. And, and, and we all agree we should have that. And I think Democrats are being very generous in giving him this because we know that if Obama was president right now, Mitch McConnell would have sent the Senate home and would not have returned the Senate to Washington until the new Senate was elected because he would care less about the country. He would burn the country to the ground to retake power. That's who he is. But the Democrats are going to put country first and vote on a package to save this country. And Republicans are playing games with it. They're trying to give a massive corporate bailout without any strings attached, give the president a huge slush fund that he could spend whatever he wants. No way. No way. You need it more than we do, Mr. President. So you better play ball. You better make sure that the money is going to go to the workers in this country and any money given to corporations who are in dire need right now has some significant strings attached to it, like protecting the people who work for that corporation and not just the CEOs and the shareholders. I don't want to see corporate buybacks happening, stock buybacks happening with with government, with the people's money. It's ridiculous. But there's been a lot of talk about what happens in an election. And I think that any stimulus package needs to have some bill that uh, some part of it needs to require the states to institute some sort of vote by mail for this November's election, because we could be right back here in November. Even if this passes and subsides in the summer, we could be right back here in November. And then what do you do? Well, I know that blue states will pass these these laws. I know that New York's going to come up with a proposal. There's already a proposal right now of automatic absentee voting in New York State. Um, we'll see if that goes anywhere. I think it will. We know that California has already been moving towards all mail-in ballots. They probably will have all in mail-in ballots. The state of Colorado, Washington. We know that uh, Illinois and other states, other blue states around this country are going to take measures to make sure that their voters can vote. States like Florida already have mail-in ballots and uh, you know, all but 16 states have no excuse absentee balloting. So there's a lot of ways people are going to be able to vote in November, but there's also the problem that people might not be able to vote in in at least 16 states. There might not be any way. And even in some states that have no excuse absentee voting, you still don't have automatic mail-in voting. So it could lead to fewer people showing up at the polls if we're back in this situation in November. That brings me to the 20th Amendment of the United States Constitution. That's one of the two things I want to talk about at least in this opening part. And I have an excellent guest tonight to talk about the coronavirus. Uh, I have a doctor who heads uh, one of the largest urgent care, uh, you know, conglomerates in the Northeast, Northwell Health, uh, Dr. Uh, J.D. Zipkin from North Northwell Health. Uh, you don't want to miss him coming up a little later on. And then I'm going to talk a little bit more about politics later. But I want to talk about the election for a second and how important this is to us. And why it should be important to Republicans too, probably more important to Republicans too. So the United States Constitution, the 20th Amendment, sets the date when the terms end. And that date is January 3rd for members of the House and the Senate. Not all the senators, only a third of the senators are up at any given time. And January 20th for the president and the vice president at a specific time. I think it's 12 
o'clock. Their term ends. Doesn't say when it begins, but it does say when it ends. So there is a ticking time bomb in the United States Constitution on the terms of all 435 members of the House of Representatives and 33 of the 100 members of the United States Senate. And that is January 3rd and January 20th, respectively. Now, we all know that we do not have a popular vote for president in this country. We have an electoral college. And the electoral college is chosen by the several states, but the several states determine how elections occur. The federal government can't do that. So what you're saying, Chris, you're saying that there should be some provision. Well, all the states are asking for block grants to help meet their needs because their economies are in shambles now because of this you know, lockdown of this nation right now. And every state's going to have significant budget shortfalls and every state needs money in this country. Every state, coast to coast, all 50 states are asking the federal government for help. And the federal government should give them that help. But the federal government should put a string on that help. And that string should be universal vote by mail, period. Now, why? Well, there are going to be some states that are going to pick electors. And there are going to be some states that don't. If they cancel their elections because of the virus, they will not pick electors. Now, if one candidate has the requisite amount of delegates to be elected president, the 270 delegates that they need, well, then that person will be uh, the president of the United States. But more likely, they won't have the delegates they need to be president if if all the states don't pass some sort of uh, vote by mail or have some way of electing their electors to the Electoral College. And that that's not out of the realm of possibility, given where we are right now, right? Without universal vote by mail, we could have a situation where November comes around, we're back in this predicament, we're all locked down, or even if we're not locked down anymore, because I think it's going to be really, really hard to do this again in this country. I mean, we have a president right now that's all but saying he wants to end the lockdown before the scientists tell him to end the lockdown. But let's say we're back here and people aren't voting or can't vote, or governors think that there's a health and welfare problem in electing people here. What are we going to do? How are we going to elect the next president of the United States? We have to be very sure that people have a right to exercise their franchise. And Congress has a big, big carrot to give the states. Tie any block grants to the passage of universal vote by mail for the election of 2020 and beyond. Period. Just like we tie highway funds to the speed limit and drinking age. It's no different. January 20th, Donald Trump will not be president of the United States anymore unless he gets reelected. And if Donald Trump is still president of the United States on January 20th afternoon, and we haven't had a presidential election in this country, he's no longer the president of the United States. He is something else. And we don't ever want to get there. But let me, let me explain something else. Let me, give you another, let me throw another curveball at you, Mr. President and members of Congress. 
if there is a vacancy in the presidency and vice presidency on January 20th at noon, the Congress that is elected will meet. And that Congress will choose, the House of Representatives will choose the president and the Senate will choose the vice president. Hasn't happened in this country ever, unless you uh, are part of the Veep fantasy world. It happened there once. And who will be in charge of the Congress? Well, I mean, Congress will have to have enough people elected to create a quorum. And like I said, the blue states will absolutely have vote by mail. The red states might not. You might be missing your one representative from Idaho, but your 54 representatives from California will be there. Texans will probably be there. They'll probably figure it out, right? Or maybe they won't. Maybe you won't have those that huge delegation from Texas. You'll have the New York and the New Jersey and the Connecticut and the Massachusetts and all of the Northeast. You'll have all those dele- you'll all have all those representatives there. You'll have Michigan and Wisconsin Michigan's uh Democratic governor will push something through, I'm sure. So you're gonna have a largely democratic Congress. The Senate will have a quorum. Because 66 of their members aren't even up for re-election this year. And senators can be picked by governors. One senator in particular should be really concerned about this. And that's Mitch McConnell. Because if there's a public health emergency in the state of Kentucky. And the Democratic governor decides to do what the Republican governor of Ohio did. And canceled the election. On January 3rd, 2021, there will be a vacancy in the Senate seat from Kentucky that will be filled by the Democratic governor of Kentucky. And there'll be no more Mitch McConnell, I guarantee you that. The chances and, you know, if there's a vacancy in Maine, the Democratic governor of Maine will choose the next senator from Maine. And I guarantee you it won't be Susan Collins. How about Colorado? Cory Gardner up for election. Democratic Governor Jared Polis will pick the senator from Colorado. And I guarantee you it won't be Cory Gardner. So think about that for a minute, conservatives who want to say vote by mail is horrible. Vote by mail is just going to let Democrats... Look, vote by mail is going to make more people vote. Does that in Colorado. Does that in Washington State. It will do that across this country. You want to compete on the field of ideas, not pick your voters. So here's my advice that I've been telling everybody who will listen to me. Vote by mail needs to be part of any deal that gives block grants to the states. Period. I'm all for giving block grants to the states. The states are going to be hurting, hurting, hurting after this crisis. Their budgets are going to be a wreck. But this is a string I want attached because our republic, our right to vote, 
our ability to vote needs to be paramount in this country. We cannot be ruled by people who are not accountable to the voters ever. Not ever, not for a minute. And if I was a Republican senator like Mr. Burr, who's up for re-election in North Carolina, which also has a Democratic governor who will appoint a senator if there's a vacancy, I would be pushing for it right now. You will lose seats in this Congress. Trust me. If you do not have vote by mail and blue states vote and red states don't. Because we could be right back here in November. I hope to God we're not. I hope that the only difference between now and November, you know, between November of last year and November of this year is that my office is cleaner and livable. And I've thrown out some of these boxes that I never opened up when I moved in here. I'm looking around, looking at them right now. It's disgusting. Can't believe me. But we, we've got to be prepared. We cannot assume that we're going to have elections as usual in this country in November. The 20th Amendment will not be changed between now and November. Will not be changed between now and January 3rd. It is impossible to change it between now and January 3rd. And it is virtually impossible to change it between now and January 20th. It won't be changed. It requires a vote from two successive Congresses. So I guess technically you could change it on January 4th. But it also needs three-fourths of the states to approve it. And that ain't ever going to happen between now and January 3rd. That constitutional that constitutional amendment is crystal clear. The courts cannot overrule it. It will not change. It is the law of the land, and it is unambiguous. Even Gorsuch and Kasich will have to support it. Because if they don't, we don't have a republic. The Constitution means nothing. There is no emergency clause in the 20th Amendment. There is no pandemic clause in the 20th Amendment. The 20th Amendment is there for certainty. It tells you when the terms end. It tells you when the new terms begin. It's for the peaceful transition of power. So it is incumbent on this Congress to act now, and it is incumbent on every state in this country, if they care about democracy at all, to make sure people can vote from their homes. Make sure people can vote safely and free of potential infection. Make sure people can practice safe social distancing and exercise their franchise at the same time. I think we need it now no matter what, right? I don't care if this pandemic passes. We could be back in this situation again. We need it no matter what. Should not go. This should not even be something that is debatable. Everyone who loves democracy in this country should want it. But I'm telling you right now, if Republicans think that's going to be good for them, they haven't read the Constitution. I know that the Federalist Society people like to hold up their copy of the Constitution. They ain't ever read it. There are people saying postponing the election's okay. I mean, the election doesn't necessarily have to be on November 2nd, America. It could be later. 
but it's got to be before January 3rd. You got to know who's going to the House of Representatives before January 3rd. And you got to know who's going to be president of the United States before January 20th. And we have electors that need to be elected. And that's a little bit more complicated of a process than just who gets the most votes. Blue states are going to put their electors out. And if they don't get enough electors, there probably is going to be a quorum in the House of Representatives that will not pick this president. Nancy Pelosi will still be Speaker of the House. I guarantee it. And she will not pick this man to be president. All right, I got a great guest for you. Um, He is a doctor. He is seeing what's going on. I'm going to try over the next couple of weeks to really bring you people who kind of know what's going on. And uh, this guy definitely knows what's going on. Uh, Dr. J.D. Zipkin from Northwell Health, great guy. But before I get to him, I got to remind you, look, you're, you're home, right? You, you might have glasses, prescription glasses. You might be thinking, God, I need a new pair. Now that I'm sitting around at my house and I'm using my home reading glasses all the time, I'm finding that they're a little uncomfortable. I don't like the way they look. You want to try something new? Go to warbyparkertrial.com slash Han, and you can get five pairs to try on at home via mail with your prescription. And there is there is uh, no obligation to buy them at all. If you want to buy them, they're $95 a pair. If you don't want to buy them after five days, you put them back in the envelope and you send them back via the mail. You don't touch anybody. You don't see anybody. It all comes to your home. Warby Parker Trial dot com slash Han and every pair you buy somebody in need gets a pair and that's a great thing that you're doing Warby Parker and it's a great thing you're doing if you buy your glasses at Warby Parker go to Warby Parker trial dot com slash Han to get this very special offer right now all right join me on the other side of this break uh Dr. JD Zipkin from Northwell Health uh he's going to tell us what's going on what to expect and then I'll be back to wrap it up after that Stay where you're at. Thanks for listening. Hey, America, Christopher Hahn here, the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. What is with the president and the right-wing echo chamber encouraging these astroturf protests against stay-at-home orders around the country? It's ridiculous, and it needs to stop. Check out the Aggressive Progressive Podcast wherever you download podcasts. I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, COVID continues to reshape the law. Supreme Court arguments will be held by teleconference. The justices won't even know if the lawyers are wearing pants, which is fair given the eternal mystery of what's under those black robes. Los Angeles County is springing 25% of its inmates. The sheriff suggests folks get ready for what might be a spike in crime. Check it all out on the next episode of Too Many Lawyers. Dr. J.D. Zipkin, he leads the Northwell Health Go Health Urgent Care Center for New York and New Jersey. He is an internist and a pediatrician. Dr. Zipkin, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Thank you for having me. So uh, I think the entire country is on edge right now. And uh, I wanted to bring a doctor in here to kind of just give us the 411 on where we're at and what we should expect in the coming days and weeks. Yeah, that's a that's a great great starting question. So, where we are is is a lot of what you're hearing on the news is that clearly uh, COVID nineteen has hit the U S., uh, especially on the coast and especially right here in New York. 
Uh, we should be expecting uh, our trends to follow every other country, which is that we are currently in the upslope, meaning there is going to be an increasing number of patients each day who are going to be affected by this illness unless we intervene uh, in very uh, strategic ways. And and how should we be intervening? I mean, we're all talking about hand washing and social distancing. I mean, here I am tonight. I'm in my studio. I'm by myself. My producer, I usually have two producers on the other side of the glass. I only have one tonight because they can't be in the same space. Um, you know, we've wiped down everything. My hands have never been cleaner, doctor. I got to tell you. Uh, but yeah. it, what can what can we be doing besides that? Uh, yeah, we're so so this uh, this this hand cleaning is really bolstering the moisturizing industry. I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> we all have these these dry cracks. But yeah, so those are the exact right things. And uh, a lot of my patients ask me, well, "Can I do more? Isn't there something else I should be doing?" And I hate to say it, but it's a get back to the basics kind of thing. Washing your hands, being mindful, not touching your face. It is a a human behavior that we all do. And I, I will tell you, it has taken me years as a physician to train my hands never to touch my face while I'm at work. Yeah. That's not the easiest task, right? We we, we all, we, we brush our hair, we move the oils of our face around, we have an itch. Um, but but those are really the, the key starting places that, that everyone needs to be worried about. And, and do you think that people are listening? I mean, we see these reports on the news about spring breakers and others, but I got to tell you, I have been out and about today just for the last hour or so coming here. I had to stop uh, at a store and, and pick up a few things. And I, people were staying away, you know? I mean, they were just, they were arm's length at best. Yeah, I think it's a little bit different here in New York uh, compared to the rest of the country. And, and the problem is, is we adopt that type of behavior after illness is already kind of upon us, right? Yeah. So if we had started that weeks ago, then I think we would have really flattened, everyone hears this kind of term, flatten the curve. We would have really flattened the curve and helped slow down the progression of this. We're getting to it a little bit late now that kind of fear is, is starting to take hold. Yeah, yeah, and 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 it really is starting to take hold. I mean, I, I don't think I've had a conversation uh, in the past, you know, six days that didn't include um, social distancing and COVID nineteen. I mean, with anyone, it's uh, it's truly amazing how it's it's everywhere and it's it's um, you know it it just is is permeated our soul here in this country and everything is shut down. Um, you know, the question, you know, let me ask you a little bit about this virus. Like, where did it come from? There obviously have been other coronaviruses in this on this planet. Have any of them ever made the jump from animal to human in the past? Uh, yeah, so this is this is not the first coronavirus. In fact, at any given time in America, you talk, look, a year ago, two years ago, at any given time, there's a kind of benign, no big deal, I shouldn't call it no big deal, there's a kind of a normal cold virus that right. is of the coronavirus family that just naturally floats around the community and it causes mild cold symptoms. Um, this is not the first coronavirus that has caused uh, this type of issue in the past. So this is technically called SARS-CoV-2 because original SARS, S-A-R-S, um, was was uh, before it, MERS, the Middle Eastern respiratory right. uh, illness, was was uh, another coronavirus. So it's not the first that's been severe. It did come from what we believe to be uh, a bat-to-human transmission in China, uh, but it's not the first of its kind. It has a very interesting um, profile compared to a lot of other issues in that it's neither very, very mild nor very, very, very severe, right? So when you look at other illnesses and pandemics or epidemics that kind of wipe out, have a, have a high fatality or high mortality rate, Right. it actually 
prevents the spread as fast because because it actually just kind of blunts itself. Right. This virus is interesting because it kind of threads a needle. It's, it's neither very severe nor very mild. And in doing so, it allows it to spread to a lot of people and especially kind of these carriers of milder symptoms. People don't even know they have um, it, right? I mean, yep. I, you there know, people, people have been know. asking me, is it possible? And, and this is a question. I mean, I, I can't answer it. Um, is it possible that it's been here longer than we know? Probably not. So, so there's a lot of, I get a lot of questions of, is it possible that, or isn't it possible that? And, and listen, there's no test for impossibility here. Um, there's a lot of fear, but at the same time, we know what this is. We know where it came from. Um, and so while we still have a tremendous amount of research to still do, there's still a lot to find out about it. That's not to say that we know nothing about it, right? There's this kind of misconception of, oh, we don't know everything so therefore, we don't know anything. And that's not true. That kind of right. builds into this unfounded fear that I'm seeing in our communities now. So now you have been, you know, you, you lead a, a large urgent care center, uh, on, uh, you know, in, in the tri-state area. Uh, Northwell is one of the biggest uh, hospital systems, I guess, in the country, actually. Um, nonprofit hospital system. Uh, I, have you noticed a significant uptick of people coming into your urgent care centers, just, you know, not knowing what's going on? Maybe they're afraid uh, and seeking testing? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, some of which are, are meeting our criteria and absolutely should be tested. Others are, you know, people who are, who are, who are fearful for themselves, for their loved ones. They have elderly people at home. They have yep. uh, little ones at home. Uh, but the volume has... Uh, absolutely surged uh and we've had to pull into new new strategies no work new workflows to try our best to keep up with that are you are your are your you know nurses and doctors that work for you are they now working double time are they feeling the stress how are they coping with this uh, i will tell you it, it has been hard for for everyone on my team i think because we are at our core at Northville go health urgent care here to serve the community and I think what's really impressive to me about my team is that they will they will kind of put their own free time on the back burner, right? Because we all kind of have this kind of common drive to help the community and be a, be a resource for the community. And, and I would I, I would bet we can extend that to a lot of different healthcare organizations, a lot of uh, healthcare providers across the country. Uh, but yes, it is a strain, and and the problem is this is not normal. So we don't have kind of normal safeguards against these stressors that are facing our healthcare workers today. Wow, that's crazy. It's amazing. Well, you know, look, I, I think everybody in America appreciates, if they didn't appreciate doctors and nurses before and orderlies and other people that make these systems work, uh, I know they appreciate them now, given what's going on, all the stress that's being placed on the system. What would you say to people who are just afraid they, they, they don't meet the criteria for testing, uh, but they're, you know, they're coming to their doctor's office, they're going to the ER, what would you say to them? Yeah, we get we get a lot of um, patients who are concerned. Um, the 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 medical term is worried well, and that can be somebody who is completely asymptomatic, typically very asymptomatic, no symptoms whatsoever, but they're coming in because they're concerned. They want to get the chest test, quote unquote, just to know. Right. And for people who are in that category, or people who have very mild uh, cold symptoms, what we're telling people, what the CDC is telling people, is talk to your primary care doctors, but. Try to stay home if you can. As, you, as long as you have mild, mild symptoms, try to stay home if you can. If you don't have any symptoms whatsoever, that's likely, not 100% of the time, not guaranteed, but likely because 
you don't have viral particles in your nasal passages. Right. And if you don't have those viral particles in your nasal passages, the test will always come out negative. Right. You can't find anything because it's not there. It's going to come out negative. All right. Here's part two of my interview with Dr. J.D. Zipkin. There's a lot of conversations going on about what the nation should be doing to prepare, what didn't happen. Um, you know, are we in the right spot right now to try to flatten the curve, or is that just a pipe dream at this point? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, Chris. So there's every moment is a good time to try to flatten the curve. There, there's no point where we've gone too far, we're too late to do nothing. So, yes, we can still absolutely do our, do our best to try to continue to slow the spread of this illness. And it absolutely does help protect and preserve our emergency departments and our hospitals in doing so. So, so you think that even though we, we might have gotten a late start to it and we probably should have started a month ago, uh, we're still in a spot where the actions people take today can help save lives. And we don't want to be in a situation where, like I'm hearing in Italy, people are dying every 10 minutes of this at this point. Um, I also think that the testing that, you know, we're seeing this spike right now because we're seeing a spike in testing in New York. We're, we're actually testing 5,000 people a day and New York has ha- has the, the biggest amount of cases in the, the largest amount of cases in the United States because we know. I mean, I think that if we were testing across the country, we would we probably like Governor Cuomo said today, probably have tens of thousands of cases in New York that we don't even know about because we haven't tested. Yeah, yeah, we are limited in our capacity. I'll tell you. Northwell Health is one of the leaders, not just in New York, but in the country. We're already just Northwell Health, over 1,000 tests a day. So we're doing a lot of testing, but despite that, we are still limited, right? We, we, can't, we can't get everyone. Right. Uh, so we do need to be somewhat choosy with who we are selecting and hoping that the people we are selecting with the right criteria uh, will really, the answer will make or break or will help their healthcare in some specific way. And we're seeing, you know, we're seeing that, Younger people are not taking this seriously in some cases, not always, but, uh, you know, there's, uh, I don't know if I hit you on this last, last half hour, but, uh, you know, we see the spring break thing and there's been some talk that a lot of people in ICUs, uh, from this disease are under the age of 50, uh, 30% or so they're saying, um, is that what you're seeing? Are those numbers true in, in your, in your, uh, experience? Well, I'll tell you, I'm more in the outpatient world, so I'm not seeing the ICU as much, but yes, for the, for the young Younger generations who are thinking, this doesn't affect me, that is incorrect. It absolutely does. It may have a smaller likelihood of causing more severe disease in somebody who has a number of other medical problems and who is older, but it absolutely can still affect them, yes. So so, so they should just do everything everybody else is doing, social distancing, clean their hands regularly, you know, no parties on the beach, I'm sorry, uh, I know it's spring break, but if you want to have another spring break, just listen to the doctors and do what they're telling you to do right now. It's very important. So today, the right. president the president hinted at um, at the uh, at the FDA perhaps approving drugs that are antivirals for things like malaria and other diseases being approved to treat this disease. Have you had any conversations with uh, people about that, and what do you think of those suggestions? Yeah, we're looking at other medications that are already out on the market or have been used for other things, and we're trying to repurpose them and see if they happen to work. A lot of early studies, and while we'll hear little snippets here and there that this one looks mildly promising, there's nothing yet that has kind of come to the surface that shows, yep, this will be the drug that that cures all of the COVID-19 across the country. 
what do you think? How long do you think, you know, if, if you had to guess, I mean, people say 18 months before you have uh, a vaccine, you know, look, AIDS has been around since the eighties. We still don't have a vaccine. Um, yeah. you know, it, it's a virus as well. Viruses evolve. Um, you know, do you anticipate a vaccine or at least a treatment, uh, in the next year or two? Yeah. So the big distinguishing factor between coronavirus, this coronavirus and HIV is that it tends not to mutate, mutate as quickly as HIV. It can't hide out in ourselves as well as HIV. It is closer to something like the common cold as far as its makeup goes, right. the ability to fight it. So it does give us a little bit of an easier time. Uh, but as anyone who's ever gotten a cold and come to me in my urgent care knows, there's no cure for the common cold. Right. We're trying to fight that. And I do agree with the experts. Um, and truly, I would say, listen to the experts and not the politicians yeah. when they you know, when they say this is when the vaccines are going to be coming out. But I would anticipate 18 months. There's a lot of companies out there that are saying, oh, yeah, we're working on one. It's going to be here in a few months. But quite honestly, I find them to be a lot of hype, a lot of uh, investment talk, but yeah. not necessarily results. Yeah, I mean, I just I don't understand how anybody could think that, you know, quickly you're going to get a vaccine for this thing. It's a you know, it's something that that we just discovered back in October. So how... Yeah, and if I'm proven wrong, great, right? If yeah. I'm wrong, I am very happy about it. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. So we should not be anticipating, we should not be pretending as if the solution is right around the corner if it's not. So how long do you think we're going to be in this state of, you know, kind of lockdown in this country? The president said it could be as long as July or August. Uh, other people think it's May. Um, what would be your best guess at this point? Uh, you know, we, we really don't know. There's a lot of optimism that when the weather warms up and with a little bit of humidity, we'll see decreased rates of transmission, but we don't know. And it's going to be important. As I mentioned before, There, we do know a lot about this this virus, but there are things that we don't know. And I'm going to actually take a step back and say, I, I can't comment on that. I don't know right now. Right. Okay, good. I appreciate that. I mean, it is, it, you know, the, the humidity and other things people have been saying about that. And, you know, by the way, I, I work in a studio right now that is about 195 degrees, so... Hopefully it's killing whatever's in it, uh, but but it is uh, uh, it is always hot in this in this studio for some reason. Um, it is it, it is going to be an interesting time, and and the doctors and nurses that that you work with, uh, I know appreciate. I, I think we all appreciate what you're doing and, and how you're doing it. And um, you know, I, I hope, and maybe you can answer this. That, you know, Governor Cuomo and others who are opening up these testing centers, these drive through testing centers is taking some of the strain away from the urgent care centers that you operate. Yeah, absolutely. That That is abundantly clear, especially up in Westchester, where we had four of our urgent care centers. And now we have this uh, higher throughput testing center, uh, thanks to Governor Cuomo. Um, these are needed in the community. As I mentioned, we are limited still. But it's also important to kind of take a step back. A lot of people are viewing testing as immunity. Right. Face masks as immunity. Right. And these are not, knowing what your results are today, that you don't have it today, does not mean you're immune. So it really is so important that you're only utilizing these precious resources when they're truly needed. Right. You got to, and by the way, you could also catch it by going to a hospital and just being there, you know, so if you don't really need to be there, listen to Dr. Zipkin, don't go understand yep. that, you know, you, you know, you might put yourself at, at risk and you might wind up carrying it home and putting other people at risk. Dr. Zipkin, I got about 20 seconds left with you. Where can people find you online? Ah, 
GoHealthUC, like urgent care, GoHealthUC.com, or on Twitter at ZipkinMD. ZipkinMD on Twitter. And uh, our doctor, I really do appreciate you not only coming on this show, I know you're very busy, but everything that you and your colleagues are doing to keep uh, America healthy and try to prevent this virus from spreading too much. Thank you so much for joining me. I truly appreciate it. Pleasure to be here. All right. You heard the doctor. Listen to him. This is Chris Hahn, and I'll be right back. So that's interesting stuff. I'm telling you, America, it's going to be an interesting few weeks. I know that uh, staying home has been tough for a lot of you. It's been tough for me. I, you know, not that tough, honestly. I'll be honest with you. I do a lot of things here. I could work from home. I could do TV from home. Uh, I've got a puppy that wants to be walked. I'm averaging like 25,000 steps a day, except for Monday of this week when it rained here in New York and I, you know, got about 10,000 in. I still went for my run. I'm not going to break my streak because it's raining. But uh, it is, uh, it's going to be difficult, and I hope you're all being safe. I hope you're all following the proper social distancing guidelines and doing what it takes. And I hope you're not watching the president's press conferences. I got bumped on Monday night. I was supposed to be on Fox News at the 7 o'clock hour. I was supposed to do my regular debate lately with uh, Carl Rove about 2020 politics. We were going to talk about you know, how Andrew Cuomo has been doing so, re- so well with these press conferences that a lot of people are saying, wow, maybe he should be running for president. Um, I, I think he's been doing great. Um, and I think a lot of the governors around the country have been doing great. I think Gretchen Whitmer's been doing great. Um, I, I think Gavin Newsom's been doing great. I, I think Mike DeWine in Ohio has been doing great. Governor Murphy in New Jersey, I think they're all they're all doing what they have to do. They're practicing servant leadership. They are trying to get the people who are on the front lines, the tools they need, and the space they need to allow this infection to hit us, you know, more spread out is what I'm trying to make. I'm losing my words here, right? You don't want to have this big surge on the hospitals. That's the real problem here, right? I mean, the death rate um, is low. Uh, in fact, 80% of people who get this might not even know they had it. And, but the problem is, is that, you know, three, four, five, 20% of the people who get it do need to get hospitalized. And that's going to create a tremendous strain on our hospital system. That's what Dr. Zipkin has been talking about. I think next week I'm trying. Well, I don't know for sure, but a friend of mine I went to high school with, haven't talked to in years, uh, is a, is a an emergency room doctor. And I'm hoping to have her on uh, next, next week to tell me what's going on, on the front lines. It's assuming she can because uh, they're so short-staffed in her ER. She might have to stick around. She might have to work um, extra shifts and might not be able to join me. But we'll know and... We'll see what happens. But I, I think the governors are doing the right thing. And I think they're trying to, uh, to to flatten the curve, as they say, to make sure we don't have this surge on the hospitals, that the people have what they need, that the supply lines stay open, that the, 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 the critical uh, staff have the tools they need, masks and gowns and protective gear. I don't think the president's doing any of that. president says he's not a shipping clerk. President um, is having these long-winded press conferences that say nothing and confuse the issue. I, I mean, it's got to stop. It's got to stop. And now we have a member of the U.S. Senate, Rand Paul, who voted against the original uh, virus uh, uh, bill that that was providing the tools the states need. He voted against it. He's got it now. 
He's got it, and he wasn't practicing safe social distancing, and he's a doctor. So, you know, anybody could get this. And I'm not rooting for anybody to get it. And I'm I'm definitely rooting for him to recover. I, I don't hate anyone, and I don't want to see people die from this. But people are dying from this. And we've got to be very careful. And we've got to protect each other, and we've got to protect the ones we love. And the way we do that is by practicing this social distancing. And I think that it's great that so many Americans, that almost all Americans for the most part, have embraced this. Now, I know that you, everybody knows somebody who's complaining about it. Everybody knows somebody. Oh, we're overdoing it. Oh, what about the H1N1 flu or whatever it was? (laughs) Uh, You know, it's, give me a break. There's a reason why this is going on. And... There is a reason why it's worse. It's worse because we didn't prepare. It's worse because on January 21st, when we had our first case, the president tried to blow it off, where in South Korea, they went at the full you know, protection mode, and they flattened their curve, and they're coming out of their curve now. Meanwhile, this guy was fiddling or playing golf while this was coming our way, and now it's worse. Blame him. Blame him. Blame him for the stock market collapse. Blaming for small businesses around this country going out of business. Blame him for being stuck in your home. Blame him. I'm sorry. I don't blame him for the virus. I don't. I blame him for the response. I blame him for not being a leader. And that's why, you know, I go back to my original thesis on this program tonight. We have to have elections in November. We have to have elections in November this year, and the Congress better tie some money to the to, on a string to the states that want it and make sure they enact vote by mail. Some form of home voting so that people do not have to choose between their health and safety and exercising the franchise. That's why, you know, like we had elections last Tuesday, just a week and a half ago, a week ago, there were elections. They were held in the middle of this crisis. People had to choose in some states. Do I go out and vote and risk my health and the health of my family or the health of the other people voting? Or do I skip it? A lot of people skipped it. I don't want people skipping it in November. People are going to have a lot to say this November. It's going to be a very important election. And they shouldn't have an option. They shouldn't have to, they shouldn't have to, it, it shouldn't be a devil's choice, right? They shouldn't have the option of my health or my, or exercising my fundamental right to vote. The most basic of rights in this country. So Congress has to fix it. The states have to fix it more importantly, and it's got to get done now. Can't wait. Systems are going to have to be put in place, but people need to have the ability to vote from home. It's important and you know it. So hey, I think I'm going to be back uh, earlier this week. Uh, I'm, you know, I don't think you have to wait another week for another episode of this podcast. It won't be a long one, but I, I think I'll come back and do a short bonus episode this week. I'm home, might as well do it. <laughs> so I ain't going anywhere. Can't go out to dinner. Uh, you know, I, I, I hopefully will clean the office before that, so that I'm not sitting among these boxes. I don't know if that's going to change the acoustics. I've been listening to a lot. Of, I listen to a lot of podcasts, and I, I, I one of my favorite podcasts is Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, and I was shocked at how bad it sounded uh, this week. He did a special episode on coronavirus, and they were in somebody's house, and I'm like, come on, man. I mean, I'm, I'm using far less sophisticated equipment. 
I think it sounds pretty good. You guys could tell me. Uh, go to at Christopher Hahn on Twitter uh, or ChristopherHahn.com. And please tell a friend about this podcast if you like it. We're doing well, uh, and I want to keep doing well. So uh, thank you so much for listening again. And I want to remind you, as always, to seek the truth. Question everyone and everything, America, even me, but especially that president when he's given a press conference because he's lying to the American people on a daily basis. Seek the truth. I know it's out there, and I know you will find it if you look for it. And I'll be back here again next week to tell you the truth as I see it. I'm Chris Hahn. Thanks for listening to the Aggressive Progressive Podcast.